today's show, we're talking about our four-legged friends. That's right, pets. Most people think of their pets just like any other family member and will do everything they can to keep them happy and healthy. So today, we're going to find out how technology can help to do just that. Today, I'm joined on the show by Matt Keelock. Matt joined Mars Pet Care in 2017 as Head of Data and Analytics. And since then, he's been helping the company to understand how the power of data can create a better world for pets. Thanks for joining us on the show, Matt. Hi, yeah, no worries. So you've had a pretty varied career in data and analytics. You went from a startup to Net-A-Porter, I believe. And then for the last few years, you've obviously been at Mars Pet Care. So... What made you decide to carve out a career in data to begin with and then ultimately make the move into the pet care space? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say I dreamt of a, uh, a career in data when I was younger. Uh, probably uh, the, the industry didn't really exist then anyway, which uh, shows my age a little. Um, but, but in many ways, it was a, a kind of a natural uh, progression for me. I, I being reasonably numerate, and my mum's a maths teacher and, and all that good stuff that helps. And what I found, you know, as I was growing up and, and studying, that actually I really enjoyed uh, explaining things through data. I studied geography uh, at university. And, well, when you're younger, that might include colouring in maps and drawing a volcano. Uh, what that involved was explaining... Um, about the world that we live in and, and using data to do it. So there might be things like weather and climate change and things that we often think about as, as geography, but it was also things like the geography of health. And so how do you use data to understand these patterns? And so that was something that um, I think I've always been interested in and, and really enjoyed. And so I was then fortunate enough to begin my career at what was a startup at the time called Dunhumby. And, and Dunhumby was a, a sort of pioneering data business uh, that at the time was just beginning to work with Tesco and to help shape the Tesco club card program in the mid to late 90s and begin to use that kind of shopping data to help Tesco understand more about who their customers were and how to meet the needs of those customers through getting the right products in store, pricing them in the right way, communicating with, with their customers in a relevant way. And, and so my role was um, more in marketing and, and what would be called BI now, I guess, kind of reporting. Um, and as I got into that and I enjoyed you know, building these marketing communication programs, I got more into the data and and how can we organize the data, manage the data, enhance the data to be able to do these things better and go from, if you like, the, what, what's superficially available in the data, like the transaction, to explaining the transaction and explaining the customer behavior, like their interest in uh, the environment because of the products they buy or how price sensitive they might be or whether they love a deal. And so using data to explain things in, in a little bit more of a, a rich way. So that then sort of 
mm-hmm. made me, um, you know, progress, if you like, in this consumer-centric data space and, and using data in a way that helps businesses, but is also about building products and services that, that are relevant for consumers and creating value for all of us as people. And, you know, as a consumer and as consumers ourselves, it, it's, it's great to be able to look at a business and um, build solutions that are relevant for all types of, all types of consumer. So that was, was something that, you know, was really impactful. And then through the, the work that I did there and, and working across a broad spectrum of businesses from, uh, you know, companies like Tesco to uh, businesses in, in automotive and financial services and telecoms, what I learned was I was even more interested in, in that work when the consumer had a real emotional involvement with the product or service. And so pet care is a, is a space that clearly sort of ticks that box. Um, you know, we as pet owners are really emotionally engaged and invested in our pets and the products and services that, that we choose for them. And that makes uh, you know, it rewarding from a consumer and business perspective. It also makes the data work actually really a lot more interesting because you're not just looking at the functional side of of um, the data, you know, the the value of it costs more or it costs less. But how do you start to understand the the emotional triggers for people through the data and explaining a lot more about the who and the why from the data rather than just the what? So that that's kind of, um, you know, the, the data side of it. Um, from a pet side, I'm, I'm, I'm a pet owner uh, myself and, and so hugely passionate about what we do from that perspective. And my early experience of, of pets and really companion animals was um, partly through my, my grandma who was blind. And so she had a guide dog and, uh, you know, I was amazed at, at the time that, that what this dog could do for my, for my gran. And so um, I guess from that sort of personal perspective, it's an area that I feel really attached to the purpose that we have in, in Mars Pet Care to create a better world for pets because they create a better world for us. That's such a lovely story, Matt. I really like that. And, um, and pets certainly do have a really special place in people's lives. I'm sure many people would agree with that. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about how data can actually be used in pet care? How does it all work? Yes. Well, there is a, uh, a huge kind of um, spectrum of opportunity, I, I would say. Uh, we are um, focused on like one particular side of it. So there are lots of opportunities that, that other parts of, of the business are looking at around you know, manufacturing improvement and efficiency and, and supply chain and, and finance, for instance. The areas that, that we're focused on are, are, are really three. One is around creating better science and better care for pets. The second is around how do we build a smarter business so that um, we invest effectively and efficiently and we're delivering mutual returns for all pets, pet owners, as well as our business. And then the third area is using data to unlock new sources of value, new opportunities and and paths and um, collaborations that might not have been possible without that data. And at at Mars Pet Care, we 
are blessed with uh, a real kind of incredible breadth uh, of data assets, which which may not be well known. So we are, uh, I, I think, quite well known in the pet nutrition space, where we have brands like Pedigree and Iams and Sheba and Caesar. We also have um, a, an incredible brand called Raw Canin, um, which is also a therapeutic diet for pets. We are a, uh, a global veterinary business, and so we have many veterinary hospitals around the world. And so that um, means that there's a lot of medical data. We get to know through those businesses, individual pets and their pet owners, and the, the medical needs that they have and the treatments that they've been on. We have a, a DNA business called Wisdom Health. So we understand uh, the DNA and the, the breed and, and disease markers of pets. We have a location and activity business called Whistle. Um, so from there, we can understand you know, the, the pet's activity. And then we have a diagnostics business um, and a science group that is gathering through science research, lots of other sort of detail about um, pets and you know, whether that's their metabolomics or um, other aspects of of um, you know the sort of the, the scientific aspect of pet, so lots of different data assets that we we have in in different parts of our business, um, and and with that that combination of assets, you know, there's there there really is this sort of vast spectrum of application. So how can we um, on the nutrition side, for instance, work better with our retail um, partners? Uh, to get the right products in the right stores, to use data to price right, um, to merchandise stores in the right way, to do that in bricks and mortar, as well as to do that in, in online and, and the digital landscape. So that whole landscape, using data in marketing, we want to increasingly be relevant um, to, to pet owners um, in the way we communicate with them. So what is the right content what is the right channel? What pets do they have um, so that we can communicate to them in the right way? And then this, this kind of uh, really exciting landscape of um, healthcare for pets and, and how do we use this data to generate new science? With the scale of data uh, from veterinary businesses, we can really start to understand the different nuances of breeds and their needs and their behaviors and what might um, the appropriate treatments be um, for different breeds and different ages and so on. And so how do we build science and treatments and care pathways um, for pets so that all pets can benefit from this, this new science going forwards? So on that point, it would be great to hear more about that. So how can data actually improve the long-term health and even the lifespan of pets? Great question. So the, I think what, one of the things that we've seen or we probably all understand is, is the incredible um, journey and progression of science and healthcare on the human side and how over the last 100 years or so um, our, our lives have been improved and our lifespans have been extended because of uh, an understanding of healthcare, disease, nutrition, and, and so on. And so 
the equivalent is is unfolding in the pet care space, and and we are you know and have been for for many years. Uh, leading a lot of the research that is improving nutrition and improving care for pets. And in, in this digital world and in, in, in this um, new Mars pet care landscape, there are many ways that we can begin to do that. So one example, for instance, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier our activity tracker. So that's our, our whistle business uh, helps. It's a bit like a Fitbit, if you like, for pets. And uh, not only does that allow you to understand how much time is the pet active or not, but what we are um, beginning to do, we've, we've now been running this research project for a couple of years. Um, we have pet owners who have signed up to this research project to combine their activity tracking data with the medical record data. And they also are um, eager and, and happy to share within the program uh, videos of their pets. And so we can combine um, the activity device data and marry it with the, the video of the behavior and start to interpret that activity data. So it isn't just active or inactive, but we can really start to understand what kind of activity, you know, are they, are they sleeping or are they running or jumping or playing, but also are they licking or are they feeding or are they drinking or are they scratching? And so we have done quite a lot of work to begin to uh, tease out these different behaviors. And that's quite complicated with the data because, you know, there's a, there's a gyroscope and there's accelerometer data, lots of the sorts of things that we might have in our, in our smartphones today. Um, and, and so the interpretation of that data um, by using these crowdsource videos allows us to begin to confidently identify behaviors like scratching, for instance. And so um, what that allows us to then do is to start to look at individual pets' behavior for that scratching um, characteristic and, and look at that over time and start to see that the pet is changing behavior. They might be scratching more, for instance. And that then allows us to alert the pet owner uh, to something that they may not yet have noticed. They may not have noticed because you know, they're at work most of the day. They may not have noticed because the pet does it when they're in the other room, or it's just been an incremental thing that they haven't really identified yet. And so using, using device data to identify things like that has been really valuable to alert pet owners to potential risks of, you know, a skin condition or, a, or an ear infection or, or whatever might be causing that scratching behavior. And so th there are examples like that where we've really been able to sort of generate brilliant data and then interpret that data to start to identify and, and alert pet owners to conditions or challenges that allow them to better manage the, the wellness and, and the health of their pet. Um, and, and then there are many other examples of how we might use data to improve nutrition, um, to understand the growth curve of pets and what the appropriate um, uh, amount of food to, to give a pet might be and also then the huge amount of um, learning that's gone into uh, our diagnostics and building diagnostics and, and creating wellness plans and care pathways for pets. It's so interesting to hear how data is helping people to take care of their pets better and in so many different ways as well. Uh, 
So what's next for the future of pet healthcare? Um, That's something I'll be asking Matt about next. But first, let's take a quick break and cast our minds back to the last episode of Sideload, where we were discussing the growth prospects for health tech. No, we are actually, um, we're, we're quite skeptical in terms of AI taking over the role of healthcare professionals and health coaches. Uh, the way we uh, see it instead is that uh, AI can be used to support uh, health coaches and healthcare professionals in doing their work even smarter and even better. So our approach, and this is uh, quite controversial in, in many health tech companies, because most health tech companies actually are trying to figure out how to do everything automated and how to to make sure that AI come in and replace uh, work done by healthcare professionals. We, we see it differently in legal healthcare. Uh, we would like to empower healthcare professionals that are really good at what they do in making sure that they can reach more patients, they can have better tools in, in doing what they're good at so they can uh, be more effective in, in what they do. Welcome back. I'm joined by Matt Keelock, Head of Data and Analytics at Mars Pet Care. And we've been discussing how tracking pet data can help to identify potential health problems faster, keeping pets happy and healthy for longer. So, Matt, what are some of the challenges that we face when collecting and analysing data from pets? How is that different to what we're seeing with human health data, for example? Yeah, there are there are some important differences. Um, I'll, I'll maybe think about three um, now. So I, one of those is, um, as humans, we are all unique, and uh, that, that's really important. Within pet care, uh, we have that same challenge. Pets are all unique, plus they are of different species and breeds. And so that means you know, there's an additional layer of of complexity to deal with. And particularly in terms of the data, understanding what is the the breed of a pet, which isn't always well understood or or truly accurate. Um, So how do we understand that? And then obviously using that data to build science about how um, different breeds uh, respond to different types of uh, disease or condition and what what they're susceptible to or not. So that, that just creates an additional layer of complexity that, that we have to deal with. Um, the second uh, is that pets aren't able to express uh, very easily how they feel. You know, are, are they feeling pain? Are they really enjoying the food they're eating? So we, we can detect some of those things um, uh, and, you know, as pet owners, we feel we, we would have a good uh, view of that for our pet. Oh, they're really enjoying this or maybe they're off their food, but we have to interpret and they can't tell us. And so that creates a different kind of complexity that we tend not to have in, in the human space. Um, and then the third area that I think is is different is about the collection of data itself. So the, the, the identity data about pets is not as clean and accurate as identity data about people. So, you know, I have a name and I have an email address. I might have a, a, a national health number or a social security number. So there are lots of ways that, that, that 
we have information about the identity of a person that is usually you know, pretty accurate and pretty consistent. Clearly, there are um, challenges with that too. Uh, on the pet side, it's not necessarily the same. And so as we, as we think about uh, wanting to build an identity for a pet, we may not always have the same um, information about things like their date of birth. And so we might know that a, a pet owner has multiple pets um, and they may have similar sounding names, for instance. Some pet owners reuse the name. And so sometimes it's difficult to understand the identity of that pet. And similarly, we may not always know all of those details. We may have acquired a pet from a shelter and we may know roughly how old it is, but we may not really know when it was born. And that ambiguity, if you like, makes it a little bit harder for us to think about how do we connect data across different sources where, where we are permitted to. And in some ways, I suppose you could say AI and machine learning, this technology is still quite bleeding edge, even in human healthcare. So how effective is it at really improving the health and wellness of pets right now? And what more do you think will be possible 10 or even 20 years down the line from now? Wow. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's quite hard to anticipate what might be... Uh, three or four years down the line. Um, but I, I think it's a really important area. And, and human healthcare has, as you alluded to, really been driving this agenda over the last few years. And I would say it's probably only been recently, even in human healthcare, where the, the, the balance of trust, if you like, um, towards you know, believing the machine has, has flipped a little bit. And there's, there's clearly huge sensitivity there. And I think generally this combination of, of machine and human learning is, is a great combination. And so we, we are applying that in a number of spaces right now within pet care. I talked earlier about our whistle activity tracker and how using these kinds of techniques we can interpret uh, the different behaviors of pets, you know, whether they're licking or scratching, for instance, and how helpful that is for us to identify uh, potential risks um, and generally better understand behavior. And, and so another example of that is helping, for instance, pet owners uh, manage the, the pet's weight. So we can see, for instance, where pets might be diagnosed as overweight through the activity tracker, um, are they post-diagnosis getting the appropriate amount of activity to manage their weight? And then how, over time, um, does that translate into you know, an appropriate treatment journey for them and, and new best practices that, that we can begin to learn as, as we start to apply things like activity tracking insight with, with our medical insights? So I think there are, there are many examples like that. Similarly, we have been able to use like data and some of these sorts of techniques, things like natural language processing, to examine lots of historic data that, that's previously been relatively unusable. So within the veterinary space, lots of medical notes are captured in written form. 
And it historically has been quite difficult to analyze that. And so scientific studies that, that have been done in the past might often entail uh, manually, you know, downloading the notes, reading through the notes and interpreting them in, in a, um, a very sort of labor-intensive way, which allows you to look at a certain number of records, but not millions or hundreds of millions of records at scale. And so what we've been able to do is to start to uh, analyze those historic medical notes and tease out key bits of information. So for instance, what we typically try to do in, in a, a veterinary hospital when a pet comes in is to, is to weigh them and assess their body condition score. And that ideally is captured in a structured data field that, that captures their weight and gives them their, their body condition score. And then that information is then easy to monitor, manage and analyze it in its structured form. Now, sometimes it doesn't get captured there, or there may be uh, additional information about it that is captured in the notes. And so what we're able to do is to understand you know, a much truer view of um, obesity in pets through analyzing this data, identifying pets that maybe the structured data was missing, um, and, and understand therefore how many pets that, that we see are truly overweight or obese. Um, and also we can start to use that data to help understand how we can create success in managing those kinds of conditions because we've got a better and truer view of what's going on driven by this interpretation of unstructured data. So that, that's one example. And then similarly, we've been, we've been doing something using that data too to look at uh, anesthesia. And, and for instance, um, there's a much higher risk of feline mortality during anesthetic than, than canine. And so we are analyzing that kind of data and structuring that anesthetic uh, information that, that is captured in the written notes, turning that into structured data so we can start to understand uh, when and how those risks arise so that we can learn um, and then reapply to reduce those kinds of uh, challenges and, and mitigate the risks of, of mortality during those sensitive times. That sounds very promising for animal lovers and their pets. Yeah, so those are the sorts of things that we are doing at the moment. And, you know, with some of those, we're in earlier stages. There are many other examples, as I'm sure you can imagine. In terms of how this goes over 10 or 20 years, um, you know, I think it's increasingly going to become an important part of uh, that healthcare system. And, and how do we complement the expertise of the vets with... The, the information that can be gleaned from this kind of data at scale historically, as well as in real time about the individual pet they might be seeing. Um, and so I think there's a huge amount that can be done, whether that's you know, the sorts of things we, we've already talked about or whether that's tailoring care pathways and nutrition, ultimately to create a much more individualized uh, combination of you know, products and services to build a solution that is individualized for a pet and, and relevant for them at, at their time of life and, and given the, the conditions that they have.
So you've spoken a lot about um, some really cutting edge technology, both that is already existing, that's what's in progress already, um, and even looking further ahead down the later in the line. Um, so what, what excites you the most about the potential of data to improve the lives of pets and people in the future? I think that there's a huge amount that I've covered that hopefully gives you some sort of impression of, of the excitement and enthusiasm that, that I have for those things. So it's clearly, you know, the ecosystem that, that we have is really unique. And this combination of data assets from DNA and activity to nutrition and um, healthcare is, is a phenomenal uh, combination of, of assets and of sort of uh, hopefully uh, brought to life some of the potential of that, whether that's in retail or marketing or science or healthcare. So a huge uh, landscape of opportunities that I, I am really excited about. Um, and there's enough in there, but that actually isn't, isn't all. Um, there are other areas that we are also focusing on, and those are real kind of purpose areas. And I personally feel really passionate about those as a, as a, uh, a pet owner myself. Um, and so some of those are about how do we create better environments for um, pet ownership and pet care and, and smarter and better cities for pets, for instance. Also, how do we look to address some of the challenges around things like pet homelessness? Um, how might we connect uh, pet owners with shelters in, in a better way? So those are other really you know, really important initiatives that, that are kind of core to, to my values and our purpose as, as Mars Pet Care. And I think a lot of this um, I see under something that, that, again, I feel really passionate about, which is this overall movement towards consumer empowerment. I think as, as consumers, we are increasingly understanding data and the potential of data. And, you know, I, I only look at what my, my kids do and, and how savvy they are with, with their digital devices and data to sort of see how that is so dramatically changing. And so as we understand the data and the potential of it, we are understanding it more. And I think together with some of the movements in, in the regulatory landscape, what that's increasingly doing is empowering consumers around data. It's, it's putting the data in the hands of the consumer. And I think that is brilliant. I love that as a consumer, and I love that in the role that I play because our role as businesses ought to be about transparency in this space, earning, really earning trust, and about turning uh, the potential of the data assets through the permissions and the preferences that are shared into value for, uh, for consumers, and, and in this case, for pet owners. And so that's something that, that I'm really uh, enthusiastic about, and uh, I love the direction that that's going in. Well, as a fellow pet and animal lover, I certainly agree that, um, just like you said, I think people and pets are definitely better together. And um, it's fantastic to hear all about the great work that is going on to find out how to use data to make sure that people and pets can stay together for as long as possible and live happy lives together. Um, I think that's about all we have time for today. So thank you again, Matt, so much for joining us on the show. And thank you for listening to this episode of Sideload. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at sideload at edelman.com. Uh, but until then, we'll see you next time. Bye.